Today is the day. If you're a United States citizen, you probably read the title and you know that this episode is about politics. And I'm not going to tell you in this episode who to vote for. I just want to talk about what the Bible says of how we should respond to the government no matter who wins. Whether it's your person or the other person. The godly person maybe or the ungodly whoever may be in office. We're going to read from Romans 13, which I'm sure you're familiar with, and then we're going to talk about, well, if there are any exceptions. So let's take a look now at Romans 13. We're just going to read verses 1 through 4. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, uh, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of uh, conscience. So we see here that in this passage, and it goes on to talk about taxes and so on, God is telling us in his word that we need to obey the governing authorities because whoever is the leader of our nation or leaders are appointed by God. Now we know in history that there isn't really the most godly people in authority in our world as we see in the word that a lot of times, you know, the world becomes like Babylon, our nation does, where it strays from the path, it's ungodly, it inflicts persecution on the church and promotes evil. But yet God has ordained those authorities for his purposes. You might ask, why would God ordain somebody so sinful or ungodly? Well, it's not because God wants to promote those sinful practices, but based on what I've seen in the church era in the past, you know, average 2,000 years, God shows that when there's ungodly people in charge, that's when the church and the gospel and Jesus really spreads the most. I mean, think of the governing authorities that were in charge around the time of Jesus, and obviously in that intense persecution, the church flourished to what we have today. So I'm not here to promote you know, ungodly government, and neither's God, but we need to remember that no matter who wins tonight, we need to be respectful and pray for that governing authority that they would be godly and utilize our voice and our talents in the community to make the world a more godly place and spread the gospel and invite people to godliness instead of godlessness. I also want to talk about, you know, you might be thinking, well, does that mean we need to blindly follow in areas where well, it's not so godly. Like, for example, you might think, what happens if our governing authority closes churches down forever or removes Bibles or tells us to not preach in the name of God? Well, Acts 5 verse 29, we hear Peter responding to that. He says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So we are to respectfully in those situations, tell our governors and our leaders, no, we're not going to comply. We're going to obey God rather than man and continue to attend church, preach the gospel, and be Christians. But the key word is respectful. You can respectfully decline. What happens later in that passage is Peter says, no, we're going to obey God rather than men. And so they're punished and beaten and so on. They didn't resist and get violent to that degree. No, they simply said, hey, we're going to obey God rather than man. What we're going to do 
is obey God, but we're also going to accept the consequence that comes with that, the earthly consequence. Another great example of this is Jesus. He obviously was going to share the gospel no matter what and do his teaching and God's will. He was about his father's business, but when he was betrayed and they came to crucify him, did Jesus fight back? No, he simply complied and was respectful and endured the persecution and punishment. Now, it sounds kind of morbid for me to say as Christians we need to endure and take that beating, especially in the United States because we're brought up on the Constitution that when our governors and leaders do that, we're supposed to fight back and defend our rights. But as Christians, it's different. We're supposed to you know, stand up with our voice for what's right, obey God rather than man, but when that consequence comes and the governors and leaders come to arrest you or beat you or fine you or kill you or whatever the case may be, those are those instances where we respectfully decline their leadership and share the gospel and obey God, but in that situation we respect them and honor the consequences of that decision. And we even see that in uh, revelation that those that denied the mark of the beast, they were killed for it. Meaning when we deny the governing authorities that are causing us to deny Christ and worship them as world leaders or so on, uh, if you obey God and worship Jesus and decline the worldly leaders and authorities in that situation, we have to accept the fact that we're going to be persecuted and potentially punished for our faith. So, how should we handle this election? Again, I could go on all day with conspiracy theories and my opinions, you know, if this person wins, this will happen, or so on, but I'm not going to do that because I simply don't know. History shows and the church shows that anything can happen. I mean, think of the Christians before the Apostle Paul was converted. They probably thought, He's never going to be godly because he's persecuting us and he's a horrible man. But then he ended up being an apostle. So you might look at some political figures tonight and think, man, if they win, it's, it's game over for the church in the U.S. But that's not really true. No matter what, the church will continue to flourish. If one political leader wins and we're allowed to worship and continue to open the doors to the church, cool. If the other political leaders win and we have to close the church down, we're not allowed to spread the gospel, guess what? Us Christians are still going to do it. We're still going to gather. We don't need our buildings. We need the church, that is, the people, for fellowship. We're going to share the gospel. And if there's intense persecution, history shows that the church grows the most in those moments. Not that I necessarily want to be persecuted, but we know that when we follow Jesus and sign up to do so, we sign up for that persecution to pick up our cross daily and endure for Jesus. Our lives will naturally look more like the gospel, where when we follow godliness, we are ultimately going to be mocked and persecuted and in some cases killed for the faith. So my invitation to you tonight is whoever wins, be respectful, be kind, continue to utilize your rights as an American citizen to voice your opinions, fight for what's right, but in the end, no matter what happens, we need to remember our allegiances to Jesus, and this world is not our home. We need to continue to spread the gospel, save souls no matter what. We might have our freedom to do that, and we might have that freedom stripped away. But most places in the world and in history have never really had that freedom to spread the gospel. 
they've been persecuted and are being persecuted and tormented and so on. And so the United States, we've been beyond blessed in that regard to have the freedom to go to church and openly worship without the fear of our lives. So I don't know if it'll inevitably be a place where we lose that right or freedom, but whatever happens, being a Christian, this is all part of it. And so I, I really invite you to get 150% committed to your faith today. I was talking with a friend yesterday about potential persecution that could rise in the future in the U.S. And I said, you know, there are many places in the world where professing to be a Christian is a life and death situation. For example, I heard something yesterday that in North Korea, if you so much as read the Bible, you will be executed. But meanwhile, in the United States, I'm looking at my shelf in my living room right now, and I have five or six Bibles sitting right there, and I can go to church and openly have this podcast and so on. But do I take it for granted? What happens if all of those freedoms were stripped? Would I walk away from the faith, or would I truly be committed, even though it's not safe anymore? So my invitation to you is this. Please commit yourself 150% to God and to Jesus. Fully surrender, no matter what happens, owe your allegiance to God. I'm not saying this stuff to, like, whoremonger, you know, and scare people. I, I really don't mean that at all. I, you know, who knows? Tomorrow could be the best day ever. The next four years could be amazing for the faith. I, I don't know. But it's important to have these conversations, to be open-minded about it, to really reflect are we truly surrendered to the gospel or are we doing it just because it's safe and easy in the U.S.? If all of our rights and freedoms were stripped away and becoming a Christian in the U.S. ended up becoming a life or death situation, would you still read your Bible? Would you still spread the gospel? Would you worship in your own home? Would you attempt to meet with the church? Would you? Let me ask this. In the United States right now, with those freedoms and rights, are you doing those things even right now? Or are we taking those things for granted while our brothers and sisters throughout the world are suffering for it, you know, wanting those freedoms? So, whatever happens, no politician is going to make the world a better place. No matter what, whether it's the left or the right or the middle or the up or the down, whoever gets into office, there's going to be godly things and there's going to be ungodly things. The world is always going to have that until the return of Christ, of course. Because Jesus is the only one that can change the world. And likewise, we've been grafted into the kingdom of God to be ambassadors of Christ. So if we want true godly change in the world, it starts with you and I. Voicing scripture and living by it. We as the church are supposed to be the example of good. So if we want good done in our communities, it's it comes to us. And I'm not the best at this. I'm not somebody that volunteers 24-7 like, a, you know, maybe I should. And I'm not always on the street doing good work, so forgive me if this is a hypocritical thing of me to say. But I'm, spe- I'm thinking out loud, reflecting on myself here. If we want true change and godly stuff in the world, we need to spread the gospel daily. When we see somebody hungry on the street, we need to be the one that reaches out that hand and give them food. Of course, if we have the abundance to do so. I know some of us listening here are that hungry person. When we see somebody without clothes, the church is supposed to be the one that gives them a shirt. The shirt off our very back, if we even, 
if it comes down to it. Not that I'm saying we need to make ourselves poor and suffer for others, but I'm also not saying that we shouldn't. Double negatives. <laughs> but the point I'm getting at is that the, as the church, we're supposed to resemble the light of the world that is Jesus and be his disciples and look like Jesus and diffuse the aroma that is Jesus. So if you think your political figure is going to change the world tonight, yeah, they're going to impact the world for sure. But ultimately, true change comes down to you and I. So what are we going to do, whether we have our freedoms given or our freedoms taken away? Will you spread the word and live the word and fully surrender to God and to love your fellow man and to do good? Or will we fall away? You know, some people uh, I've heard speculate stating the reason the church grows the most during persecution is it really drives out the, I guess, nominal Christians, the people that profess the faith but aren't really immersed in the faith and have truly accepted the gospel. They're not willing to give their lives, and so they'll fall away. Meanwhile, the people that are truly committed understand the risk, and so they're more inclined to spread the word and live by the word. So my question is, are you somebody that when persecution comes, are you going to fall away? Are you going to be right there sticking to it and being immersed in the gospel and the work that the Lord has called us to do? I myself need to improve on that too. So this is a question of me thinking out loud and reflecting with you. So, you know, I, I pray that all of us will truly be respectful and loving and kind, but also fight for what's right, stand by the gospel, contend for the faith, and good luck to us all. No matter what happens, everything is going to be fine. We know that our allegiance is with Jesus and our eternity belongs in heaven, in the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the U.S. or any other worldly authority. And anybody that's listening to this that's not a U.S. citizen, you might be enduring persecution I've never experienced in my life. And you might be listening to this and thinking, well, yeah, welcome to our world, guys. For that, you know, I encourage you to continue to stay strong and to pray for us because this might be the first time in our lives U.S. citizens really start to have precursors, precursors of persecution and so on. And so, you know, again, I'm not stating these things to terrify people. I'm just stating these things because it's part of the gospel. There is that risk. So what will we do today?